The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our sermon lesson this morning is, is found right there on page 10 in your bulletins. And if you're listening in at home, I want to invite you to, to open up your, your Bibles there to John chapter 6. And we're going to pick it up exactly where we left off just a couple of weeks ago when I was with you last, this, what we call the bread of life discourse. Or, in other words, this conversation that Jesus has with, with really a narrowing uh, of the audience from goes from a crowd to, to the Jews and then finally to his disciples. And here, the conversation is going to narrow and he's going to begin talking with with the Jews. And I want to invite you to please stand as we, as we arrive at these precious, precious work, words of Jesus. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. We could say (laughs) that today what the Holy Spirit wants for us is the so-called come-to-Jesus moment. 
I mean it. He, he wants us to come to Jesus. I remember sitting in a meeting. I, I related this in an anecdote via email earlier this week. I, I said I was, I was sitting in a business meeting, and it was truly secular. It was, a, it was about a building project, and lawyers were involved, and, and different building partners and contractors were involved. And someone said in the meeting, they said this, we should have a come-to-Jesus meeting with our partners. I had to think about that. Like, what, what, is, what does that even mean? It wasn't... We weren't talking about God, we weren't talking about Jesus, we weren't talking about faith, but apparently this is true that our culture and our world still today, I looked it up, talks about coming to Jesus. But they don't mean coming to Jesus. I looked it up in Webster. Webster says that come to Jesus means a moment of realization. It's an epiphany. We want to say more than that this morning. We want to have and understand just how it, it happens and everything that it means to, to come to Jesus. And, and that is the reason why, like, like, look, I wish I could preach a whole sermon on, on everything that Jesus means to say in this Bread of Life discourse, but I can't. I just want to look at one verse with you. Just one verse, and it's a hinge verse that helps us understand everything that Jesus says. Look at with me at John chapter 6, verse 44. This is really going to be the heart of our sermon as we look to come to Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. That's as far as we're going to get. Just that, like we're going to have a come to Jesus moment and we're going to look at, first of all, the impossibility of this. We're going to, second of all, look at the manner that this happens and, and finally at the visibility of it. So first of all, the impossibility of coming to Jesus. I've often thought this, that it is a helpful way to read the Bible sometimes to read the primary clause of a sentence and just stop. Like, not go into the exceptions or, or, or the unless or the conditional part of the sentence. Just read the primary independent clause of the sentence. And that's, I think that's helpful here. Just read. In other words, read the first six words of the verse and stop and pause and reflect. And listen to what that says. It says, no one can come to me. There's, there's an exception to that. We'll look at that later, but let's just pause and think about that. No one can come to me, Jesus says. No one. That, that, that's, that's a universal phrase. Like that, that's an all-inclusive kind of thing. Like it is, it, it, is, it is a thing that wraps its arms around the whole world. No one. There, there's no group of people on the whole face of the earth that can say, I have the power to come to Jesus. It is an absolute impossibility. You can't do it. It's not under your control. You, you can't say, today I'm going to come to Jesus. Today I am going to make my decision for Christ. You can't do it. No one can do it. Now, now Jesus, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't go into all the reasons for that, but Paul does. You know what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1? He says, as for you, you are dead. 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins. So if you, if you want to see yourself right spiritually, apart from God, apart from Christ, apart from the Gospel, what you have to do is imagine yourself in a funeral parlor. And there you are. Laid out in the coffin, dead. And you cannot go to that person and say, get up and brush your teeth. You should. You really should. You can't go to that person. Maybe you, what, what you need to, need to do is ask for life and then you'll get it. You can't. You're dead. No one can come to me. That's the impossible of coming to Jesus. The impossibility. You can't do it. Not on your own. Now maybe, maybe um, you're, you're thinking to yourself, now why is pastor telling us this? What good is there in reflecting this? Is he just going to browbeat us? Does he, does he just, you know, is he, me, is he trying to insult us? And the answer is no. Like, it, it would be insulting, you might say, if, if, if I said to you as a group of people, like, you guys are such bad long jumpers that you can't even long jump over a crack in the sidewalk. You would be rightly insulted, right? But if I said to you, if I said to you, you know what? None of us can long jump the Grand Canyon you wouldn't be insulted. You would just recognize, oh, he's right. I shouldn't try to jump the Grand Canyon because I'd never make it. In the same way, how much more? We might even say, how much more? How much more can we just recognize the, the, the real truth that there's no way that we can long jump our way to heaven? There's no way that, that we can just decide, you know what, today I'm going to Jesus. You can't. And that's not insulting. Let me tell you what it really is. It really leads instead, when we admit the impossibility of coming to Jesus, I think that it leads to several good results. Humility would be one. For example, there's, none of us should look around and be like, wow, look at how good I, I'm with Jesus. I'm in his presence where two or three are gathered. There I am. I believe in him and think, wow, I'm better than them. Because it's never in you. It's always to his grace. So that leads to a place of hu humility. It also leads to a place of security. I was listening once to, to a podcast by a popular apologist he would go to, to university campuses and he jokingly and sarcastically talked about the case of a young man who had literally given his life to Christ five different times. Apparently, it didn't take. And I'm, I'm not trying, to, I'm not trying to, to judge him in, in, in any way whatsoever. Look, I'll, I'll be honest, I change my mind all the time. I really do. Like, it frustrates my wife, Amanda, to no end. She's like, you always change your mind. And I would say, yeah, you're right. I do change my mind all the time. We change our minds. Human beings change our mind. But you know who never changes his mind? God. And if it's God who has brought you to Jesus, who never changes his mind, doesn't that give you Security? You, like, you don't have to, to wake up every day and make another decision for Christ. It's something you could never do. Instead, God decides today and every day that you would be with Him and that He would never lose you. 
And that gives security. So it, it gives to us humility. It gives to us security. And it finally gives to us thankfulness. Like deep thankfulness. If you haven't done, made even one movement toward Jesus because you can't, and yet there you are with Him, and, and somehow, some way, God has, has overcome that impossibility, doesn't that lead to a deep kind of thankfulness? Like, wow, God. I, I, I don't know how you did it, but you have overcome my death and given me life, and I'm just going to be thankful for that. So the impossibility of coming to Jesus leads to, I think, good spiritual results. Humility, security, and thankfulness. That's the impossibility of coming to Jesus. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about today is the manner. So now I want to keep reading in the verse a little bit. Keep reading and read the dependent clause. Here's what it says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And it's those last couple words that I really want to focus on. He draws them. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, it doesn't say that he obligates them. It doesn't say that he robs them of their dignity and forces them to believe. It doesn't say that he like kidnaps them or, you know, forceful, compulsory belief in Jesus Christ. That's not what he says. What it says is that the Father draws them. You know what all the Christian teachers say about this? That the way that we come to Jesus is that the Father lovingly and gently attracts us. It's, it's like a nice young man with a young woman. He, he wins her and, and woos her. It's like, it's like a mother with her infant child. It's so gentle and caring. It, it's like he, God puts up the beauty of his Christ. And he says, there he is. He is for you. He loves you so. Come to him. So gentle, so winning, as the song says, softly and tenderly, the Father draws them. Or we could use the other image in, in Jesus' words. You know what he doesn't do? You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't take the bread of life and he says, eat it. And then, if you don't eat it, he doesn't take the bread of life and start shoving it down your throat. Or he doesn't guilt you into it like, like all those parents do and be like, you know what, the, the children in Africa have nothing to eat. You should really eat this. Instead, he says, you know what, you have a great need for this. This is, this is really delicious bread. Here it is. Take it. I offer it to you this life. Freely, gently, and tenderly, warmly. He, he draws us little by little by little to Jesus. This is how we come to him. Now, there's, there's, there's something amazingly comforting in that. Like, this is who our God is. Not, not compulsory. It's not, it's not forced labor. We don't have to come to him. But he invites us. There's also a warning here. And I, I want to I put this on your heart. There's a warning here. 
We've already said that we cannot come to Jesus. He's, he taught us that. No one can come to me. But God gives us one great power. And it's almost, it's almost divine. You know what you can do? You know what's under your power? You can say no to him. You can. There he is. He's, he's winning and wooing you. He's drawing you in Christ. You know what you can do? You can say, no thanks, Jesus. Not today. Don't call me. I'll call you. And I want you to know that, that, that you have the great power to do that. You, you, can, you can, today, you can say no to Jesus. Jesus, no thanks. I, I don't, I don't want to come to you. Not today. Maybe, maybe later. But I got to tell you, that's like playing Russian roulette. Because we've already, we've already said, like, we, we can't come to Jesus. Like, there's, there's, there's going to be no point in your life where you can just pick up the phone apart from God's drawing of you and say, Jesus, today's the day. You won't do it. The day will never come. But you know what he's doing today in this moment, right in this moment? He's, he's drawing you. He's calling to you. Don't reject him. Receive him in faith. There's a, there's a Bible passage that I want to read to you that, that helps us to see. This is from Luke chapter 7. It says, The Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves. So God purposed faith for them. God drew them in and they said, No thanks, not today, not ever. Receive that warning and turn to him in faith. This, this is the manner, this is the manner of God's drawing. It's, it's always gentle, it's always soft, it's always winning and attractive for us. Receive that in faith, Jesus says. Now, finally, we've we've seen today the impossibility of coming to Jesus. We've also seen the manner of coming to Jesus. And finally, I want to talk about the visibility of coming to Jesus. And this is really important. God never draws us, the Father never draws us to Jesus apart from Jesus. Now, that maybe, that, maybe that sounds a little bit like, like gobbledygook. Or, in other words, the Father, the Father always draws us in Christ. The Father and His Christ are, are never separated. In fact, in fact, the defining characteristic of the Father in this verse is simply this. Look at what it says. This is so important. The Father, Jesus said this, the Father, the One who sent me. So, the Father's will is not a hidden will. It's visible. You, 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 can actually, you can actually see it, but you can only see it in Christ. The Father's will is that you would believe on the Son who has been set up on a cross, who is meant to draw all people to Himself. The Father's will is that you would believe on Him and live. The Father's will is that Jesus would not lose any of the ones the Father has given to Him. The Father's will is that, is that Jesus would drive none of the little ones who come to Him in faith away. He will never drive you away. 
The Father and the Son are always linked together, and that drawing always and only and ever happens in Christ. Let me tell you why this matters. There's, a, there's an old Christian book by a man called John Gerhardt. It's called The Handbook of Consolations. And it's a wonderful book. It's a very, it's a very spiritual book. And what the book does is it, is it, is it ministers to to the doubting, the hurting, the struggling Christian. And, and there's different temptations that the Christian faiths. One, one of those temptations is to wonder if your name is in the book of life. Wouldn't that be an existential crisis? I wonder if Jesus is drawing me in. I, I really wonder if, if I'm one of his elect. I, I wonder if I've been chosen. I, I wonder if I'm one of those people. I, I've met people. I've met people. It keeps them up at night. You know what you should never do at a time like that is to try to, is to, try to look into the mystery of God the Father's will apart from Christ. Because you'll never find out. You, you'll, you'll never know if God loves you. You'll, you'll never figure it out. Peter Lombard said this. He said, Those who search the depths of God rashly and beyond the limits of the word will in the end be overwhelmed by those depths. If you, if you search the Father's will and you plumb those depths apart from Christ, you'll, you'll be like that caver who got lost like 1,500 meters below ground with no hope of ever coming up for air. You'll never get out. But if you search the Father's will visibly in Christ, you'll know. You'll know. God, do you love me? Yes, child, I love you. Look at the wounds of my son and find yourself there. God, Father, are, are you drawing me in? Child, yes. Do you see that I planted the cross of my son in the ground that I may draw all men and women to myself? God, am I one of your chosen ones? Child, it is my will that you would look on my son and live forever. Do you see it? You see the, the visibility of, of the Father's love for us, the Father's drawing of us. He never draws us in some sort of mister, uh, deep, profound, mysterious way that, that is only in the heart of the Father. He always and only draws us to himself in Christ. And you see this all over the lesson. He says, everyone, anyone who eats the spread will live. It is, is a universal thing. He says, Jesus says, and he ends the lesson in this way, which I will give for the life of the world. He's drawing us today. And this, this, is, this, is, this then is our come to Jesus moment. 
It seems so impossible, right? No one can come to me. It is with our own natural powers. But not God's power. He draws us in little by little by little. He, it's like he pulls on a rope and he never does that apart from his Christ so that it's visible to us so that you can know that he loves you. Come to him, all you who weary and burdened, and he will give you rest. 